ladies to Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Leo, Rupert, and Matt of the band Palace over Zoom video. Leo, Matt, and Rupert all talk about where they grew up and how they got into music. They all met when they moved to London. Rupert moved to London to pursue music. He was in another band and uh, ended up moving to London to pursue the, the dream of becoming an artist. Whereas Matt and Leo moved to London for school. They all met each other through various projects and showing up to shows. And it wasn't until Leo sent some of his songs that he had been demoing over to Matt when they decided to form the band. We talk about that first email that started it all between Leo and Matt. Leo sending his songs over, Matt listening and, and, and loving what he was doing. And they decided to start the band. They actually play a couple of those songs still to this day, or those two songs still to this day. They both made the first EP. We talk about the recording process of the first two EPs, eventually getting to a bigger studio to record that first record. We talked all about the second album they put out in 2019, where they were when the pandemic happened, the EP they released in 2020, and all about their brand new record, Showl. You can watch our interview with Leo, Matt, and Rupert on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Palace. Thank you all for being here. Um, this podcast is about you, your journey in music. Uh, we'll talk about how the band started and then all the way up through the new record, if that's cool. Oh, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, let's start with you, Leo. Where, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in London. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from London, but then I spent uh, a lot. I moved in, uh, uh, moved in my early years down to a place called Brighton, near Brighton in Sussex, in the sort of more countryside Mm -hmm. area yeah and did you spend most of your years there before because you're in london yeah. now right i'm in london now yeah okay. but, but most of my years uh sort of early years between london and near brighton and then the last sort of like god how long has it been 15 years or something in london yeah okay wow and how did you get into music do you have a musical background as far as family goes do you know, I, I mean, my mum's sort of secretly pretty musical, actually. She's got a really good voice and she played the guitar and she's, she's a sort of very naturally musical person. Um, and I think we've just always grown up at being sort of surrounded by music and, and my mum and dad perhaps not be sort of playing instruments all the time at home, but they played music and we grew up on constantly music, um, good music being played and things that we got into very early. So I think my sort of love for music and wanting to be a musician just comes from, you know, listening to good things in the car and constantly and, and getting an early obsession with music from my parents, I think. Did they help you out like as far as like were you in piano lessons as a kid or when did you... I I remember, I remember being with my mum when I was about six and saying in the car, I was like, I want to learn the guitar. Mm -hmm. And I started learning the guitar when I was six and I wow. had a really like terrifying guitar teacher and I did uh, three weeks of lessons. Then I quit because he was too scary and he was like quite mean. And, was uh, he like when you say scary, was he just like trying to teach like I remember do him doing a specific thing, which is like haunted me to this day on the top of the music sheet. He wrote Leo's lazy fingers. And I was wow. like, instantly, he was just like, 
started crying and was like, and I remember just like being, he was just like quite hard on a six-year-old. If you, if your fingers weren't moving slow. So he sort of slightly disturbed me and I gave up for about four years and then took it up again. So my first run in with the guitar wasn't necessarily the best one, but I, I see, I bump into the guy occasionally, the teacher and he's like, oh, how's the, he's like, he's still a guitar teacher and he's sort of a friend of, of our family and stuff, but he's like, I started teaching you and stuff. And that was in the back of my mind. I'm like, you have no idea how much you traumatized me. Right. I would have been like, yeah, you, you did. And, and for, because of you, I had quit guitar for four years. Thanks buddy. I know. It could be your blues name. Leo, lazy fingers Wyndham, and you're like, oh <laughs> that is a great idea. songs. Oh man, that is good. <laughs> I always find that funny that, or not funny, I guess, because it's traumatizing that like people that are teaching children like that or piano or guitar, whatever it is, like they can be so rough. It's like, why would you ever continue if you're like, okay, this guy sucks. Like what, what? Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just doesn't doesn't quite. Uh, it's like if you were going to kindergarten and the teacher is just super mean to you, you'd be like, "Well, this sucks. I never want to go to school ever again." Yeah, you don't want to be have information bullied into you. It's not really the best way forward. For sure, for sure. All right, Matt. What about you? Were you born and raised uh, London as well? No, I wasn't. I was born and raised in a county called Dorset in the southwest of England, okay. uh, down down by the sea. Um, it was it was amazing, very green and open and quiet. And yeah, we I grew up in this little village that didn't have a shop or a pub or anything. It didn't literally nothing. It was tiny, like a hundred people or something. Oh my gosh! So, um, it was kind of cool, um, you know, pretty remote, but in a in a really really nice way. So yeah, um, and then moved to London, um, and. And here I am. <laughs> okay. But being in a town of a, or a village of a hundred people, like how far was it to go to say the, the grocery store or something like that? Um, 20 minutes in the car. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like you could go run down the street to whatever convenience store and grab whatever you need. I mean, that's a, no, no, it's an effort. My, yeah, my folks got snowed in a few times in there because it's a really high, it's actually the highest village in the county. Um, so it used to snow quite a lot in those days anyway back in my day um so <laughs> yeah the um they got snowed in loads and it's yeah it's it's crazy oh my god <laughs> were you into skiing or anything like that or was it just not big enough uh, i mean it's not not too much skiing <laughs> okay <laughs> but um yeah, no, i do i do um i do really like skiing but no you definitely have to get on a on a plane and go to Europe to, to get okay. a proper mountain. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> what about music? Uh, was your family musical as well? Yeah, really similar to Leo, actually. No one was, I didn't have any kind of professional musicians in the family or anything, but just very kind of casually natural musical, naturally musical family. Mm -hmm. um, really similar. So yeah, listen, just always used to listen to music um, on car journeys, really like Leo and, and just around the house. And my mom played a bit really guitar my sister has a really good singing voice and um yeah just just surrounded by music growing up and how did you like what was your first musical experience was it uh, similar to leo where you had a terrible uh <laughs> trauma <laughs> no, traumatizing guitar teacher <laughs> i did have um i my first i first started learning guitar when i was i think 12 and um i had a really nice teacher who you just go in and say i want to learn this and she'd go away and learn it and then come back the next week and would teach it to you. It was very, like, it was really cool. So it was always a really exciting prospect, you know, knowing you were going to your lesson, knowing that you were about to learn a song that you really wanted to play. So it was, I, had a really, cool. I, had, I had a cool experience. I really liked it. What was the first song you asked to learn to play? Do you remember? Oh, shit. Good question. Actually, do you know what? I, th I think the first song I learned was a really simple um song by ben harper called walk away because it's like, oh, okay it's only like a couple of strings and it's just repeated um i think i think that was it actually yeah and That's then it cool. was um straight into um 
Led Zeppelin from there, I think. Is it really? <laughs> That's quite a jump. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave you. I remember that was stage two. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, Rupert, how about you? Born and raised? Uh, I was actually um, born in London, but grew up in Dorset, like Matt, but like the other, other side of Dorset. We moved down when I was about three. And then, um, yeah, and also kind of like in a tiny village, no more than 100 people just kind of quite an isolated existence which is really nice did you then, know Matt um, growing up or no um I think we did but like not not closely because okay. Matt's, Matt's a little bit ahead of me <laughs> I would okay. say but yeah we we knew each other growing up a bit like similar similar paths mm-hmm. but um yeah but we're the other side of it is you know about an hour apart um but yeah I just grew up by the sea and in the countryside just pretty feral really and <laughs> then moved, moved to London when the time came and then I actually last year I've been I moved back so I'm actually in the next door village to where I grew up oh that's cool was it yeah. just because of everything that was going on in the world yeah and- part, yeah partly that yeah I mean actually pretty much we wanted to get out at some point soon but um mm-hmm. I kind of forced our hand you know me and my wife and we also have two kids oh, so cool. it's just get some, you know, bit more space rather than a cramped box in London somewhere. That we can sure. afford no, that's, that was part of our, our journey too. I was like, we can live in this little place in San Diego, or we can move south of Nashville where we can get, you know, yeah. much more space and, and everything else. But yeah, um, exactly. And how did you get into music, musical family at all? Yeah. So my, my dad, um, my dad had a rock and roll band growing up. Oh, wow. They used to play pubs and stuff and just fun. But he, they're like 50s rock and roll strictly. But they used to rehearse at our house. So like, you know, from as young as I can remember, the, there was a band, like a five-piece rock and roll band playing Chuck Berry and stuff from wow. as young as I can remember. I'm now his bass player, if, if, if we ever have a gig again. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, my younger brother's on drums. So like the old guard's been kicked out and the, his kids have been brought in. That's amazing. Um, That's really cool. How how many shows have you done with him? Has it been? Oh, I've been playing with him since two thousand and eight. So. Oh wow! So it's it's a yeah. thing. <laughs> That's yeah, so yeah. rad. I mean, mostly do like weddings now or parties and stuff. But yeah, That's it's so cool. really fun. It's really because it's oh, it's just such a fun style of music to play. You know, all that kind of fifties rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing so, him as a kid? Like, would you go to? Or oh, was I used to you me. I hated it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I got so embarrassed and we just like sulk in the corner, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay. Well, uh, let's go, let's go back to you, Leo. So, how do you get from you know, you you said you moved out of London. Do you go back? Like, what was the first like, as far as like, playing with people and stuff? Or did you start a band in your town before moving to London? Like, how did you you know I mean, kind of transition to this? Played- I have two brothers, so we always played. I grew up when I got into the guitar, and we play. My little brother plays the drums. My older brother um, uh, is also a professional musician, and he's in a band. Um, oh, he wow. sings and plays guitar. So we were sort of as brothers, very musical, and we, you know, we constantly just played together and jammed and like made music and made a lot of noise, and that was just like what we loved doing. So that was. It's just a big part of our like teenage years was just playing music and and we would play like yeah we play funny little gigs and occasionally like friends of our family would have parties and we were always the sort of go-to band as a three-piece and we would sort of butcher old 60s songs and you know and it was just really fun so I think that was sort of the first thing that really got me into playing um properly with people but then it was when we were me and Matt and Rue were all in London. We had sort of left school and we were a bit older that we decided to, me and Matt had always said to each other when we were in London, we were like, we should just, you know, start a band for fun, just do this. Uh, I told Matt, I remember one day I said, I've got a couple of songs that I sort of have written. I always wrote music just for myself. I never Mm -hmm. showed it to anybody like ever. And I think I sent a couple of songs to Matt on email. We were friends and, and I remember him, I've got the email somewhere. He goes, he, he said, oh, I love it. These are, they're really up my street. Let's like, let's do this. I mean, let's get in the studio. And then weirdly two of those songs are two songs that we still play to this day, which is crazy. Um, and then we got Ruin uh, as a third member and we were a three piece in this like little rehearsal studio 
in London and we would just get our beers and go in once a week and just and just play and it was all for fun it was like just something to do in the evenings outside of our sort of everyday existence um and and it sort of just grew from this weird organic point of just three friends wanting to hang out um but we very quickly realized that we needed a fourth member because the three piece just was not working mm-hmm. um so we brought in my my younger brother who plays uh to play bass who's also the guy who paints our album covers oh wow Mm. that's that's cool so so your younger brother played bass and he, and he does your album artwork exactly. and then what about your the where where are you at when it comes to your brothers are you the oldest young middle i'm the middle, I'm the middle. guy okay. and then my older brother is um he's actually in a, uh, a a band called frank moody who actually play in uh america a lot that's over there a lot so i know yeah. the name actually that's cool yeah check them out they're really good they're amazing sort of sort of funky disco-y vibe it's great frank moody yeah so that my brother's in frank moody um and uh but my little brother yeah so he was we we started getting little gigs at pubs in london and that's where we sort of started wow that's that's rad and he does he still play with you guys or he doesn't right no he doesn't yeah, i, I think, think so. we sort of forced him to be the bass player he wasn't really a bass player he was like a dr- <laughs> he was a drummer and he would always turn up like three hours late to rehearsals with a chicken burger and just like that's it we it's in the days of like smoking a lot like indoors like oh, okay when you're allowed to smoke at rehearsal spaces so me and rupert and my brother will be smoke all smoking poor matt didn't smoke and we were just endlessly chain smoking cigarettes <laughs> and oh, matt i just always remember looking back i was like fuck that must have been a nightmare being in a box oh. with like three people just Chains Talk about <laughs> willpower. I'm surprised you didn't start smoking, Matt. He never complained <laughs> once. He never complained. <laughs> but his lungs oh, have never been the same since. Right. <laughs> the true test of secondhand smoke. Oh my god. He would Matt would speak and smoke would be coming out of his mouth, even though he wasn't smoking. His voice um, dropped, dropped an octave then, I think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> But um, yeah, so we that was it. We he he will be wasn't he wasn't uh he wasn't really into doing the bass, but from the start he did our he's actually an artist, so he did that he was doing the artwork at the same time as sort of being in the band. But on the early recordings he plays bass on them um for the band. So he's still he's still there on the recordings, which is kind of cool. Wow, and what those first couple of EPs? Yeah, he's on the maybe just the first EP he's on. Okay. Um and then we got a new bass player who's um called Will who's actually also on a very a, a big project called Skin Shape. Um okay. and so he was he sort of took over and was our bass player for several years. Very cool. And you talked about how you guys still play those those songs that you wrote originally, right? Those first two? Yeah, yeah. I think it was it had an acoustic version of Veins and an acoustic version of I Want What You Got and it was just me with an acoustic guitar playing these you know like just recording them for myself um and and Matt just like really like responded to them and really was into them and then Rue as well we showed Rue and he came in and added you know lots of nice slide and all this kind of stuff in it um and it just sort of grew from there we have like foot I have footage somewhere of our first one of the first ever rehearsals and i remember for once seeing it and i was like wow this is really shit like <laughs> like that, it was before we got an extra member in the band and you could just oh. see that it did not work really we i remember i just couldn't really play and sing like i wasn't used to playing and singing and i'm just like everything's out of time and like the room's just filled with smoke and <laughs> it really just more of an excuse to drink beer and smoke too. Yeah, it it pretty yeah. much was. That was the sort of main thing. We just wanted to hang out and just like drink and have a nice time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. And Matt, um, so you guys all met what you said after college or did you meet in college? Yeah, we met at college basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so- then and then inside of the bands quite a few years after. So there was well, we weren't in a band together before then. Um, it was kind of when we all hit London, okay. like several years after. Yeah. What was your experience as far as playing with other people? Did, were you in any sort of bands prior to to doing this project? Um, no, I mean, no. This is my first band. I used to play 
um, just for fun at school with some some guys. Um, uh, you know, just really rough. We used to just jam, and it was probably really shit as well. But it was just the most fun. It was one of my kind of favorite memories from being at school. Just it was very, just really kind of free and and just the best fun. So that was really where it all kind of sparked something for me. But um, yeah, Palace was my first actual, actual band. band. Yeah. And did you go to school for music? Did anyone go to school for music? Or is it just, this is totally something that just happened organically later? Matt did. I did a, oh. a, I did a quick brief. I think I was, I was at a um, music college for a couple of months. Okay. But then dropped out. <laughs> so <laughs> I, had a little, I, had a, I had a taster. Um, but then uh, when I realized my folks weren't going to pay for it, it all fell apart. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> okay. What about you, Rupert? How, how did you like get into playing with other people? Like, oh, you already talked about this. Your dad was in a band. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so and then, uh, yeah. And then, but I, yeah, I moved to London with my band from Dorset. And we were going to. Okay, so you're in a different play. band also. Yeah, I've, I've played in a lot of bands and then did that for a few years and then quit that band and joined another band. And then that band ended and then until Palace was just session, I was a session bass player for quite a few years. Okay. So the band that you're in prior, the first band that you moved to London to try to make it as. Yeah. What, yeah. It was like, we're going to make it kind of okay. year olds kind of all rented a flat together and it was just all fell out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and then you did some session work and then how do you yeah, end up meeting? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of knew them. And I actually used to play lots of shows with Leo's brother. Not We, we always used to be on the same bill with his old band. Oh, cool. So there was like kind of that crossover. So we'd all be at the same nights and stuff mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And then, um, yeah, we had lots of like mutual friends. So we'd all be at each other's shows and stuff. And, and that's just, how you kind of all met together and then eventually yeah. the band forms. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Matt, do you remember getting that email? From Leo about uh, the, the and listening to those couple records that he, yeah, he sent to you. I do, I do. I remember Leo's brother saying to me for years, "Oh yeah, you guys should start a band." I don't think I even knew Leo played the guitar. And then he sent me these tunes. <laughs> I was just like, "Shit, this is amazing!" Yeah, I remember really feeling. That's so rad. And then we so once they up to my that email, you need yeah. to take that out. You should post that on your Instagram or something. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, that'd be rad. People would, I'm sure, get such a kick out of that. Um, so once the band, you guys start jam, you said you're playing together. You, you, you're playing in the smoky studio. And then when do you start playing your first shows? And like, how does the band start to kind of build as far as like a fan base? Well, I think we played our first uh, gig we played. We had a friend who ran a night in South London and Camberwell and a friend called Max and he put he was like do you guys want to play he knew we had formed a little band and we we did this one gig above a pub uh to like 40 maybe 40 people to all like shit scared I mean I was anyway I'd like never really properly never sung in front of anyone basically and like stood there like a statue for the whole gig just frozen um I think we got probably got quite drunk before and then we played all of our at that point we probably had four songs or five songs maybe mm-hmm. and uh and and we did it and i just remember after a few people coming up to us and being like wow that was like really good um and that was just the moment where we sort of realized you know we went into the gig not thinking we had anything really and it was just for fun still and and we sort of just people just kept saying to us you know this is really good these songs are really good and you guys have got something and it sort of drove us forward um, and we just did more and more gigs and we very quickly, we, I mean, we got so lucky to be honest, we got picked up really quickly by a booker, um, mm-hmm. an agent who heard our music and she signed us like immediately. The first thing we had was a gig booker and she just got us gigging and gigging and doing lots of shows every week in London to get more confident. And um, and then sort of we got label interest as well, very suddenly as well. It just all sort of weirdly slightly snowballed. Um, and it was a strange thing because we started this thing just for fun. And mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, all this um, interest was coming in. 
And so everything was a bonus. I remember just for, for the first like year or so, just feeling like this is amazing. Like we just started this thing for fun with no expectations and constantly getting this feeling of like, you know, these little lifts and, and things of people wanting to book us for shows. And like, I think maybe this one of the first gigs we ever did, we supported um, James Eher of the Smashing Pumpkins, which was, wow. it was which was quite mad because we like, um, he, we, we were, grew up listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. We were like mm -hmm. obsessed with them. And suddenly we're like playing a support show with this guy, um, you know, who we grew up just being completely obsessed with and just getting little things like that. We just like, couldn't sort of believe it was happening in a weird way. And, uh, and we were just still very raw and like pretty like rusty and, I couldn't speak in between songs. I was ter terrified and we did like endless of tuning on stage that took like 10 minutes in between songs. And like, it was pretty awkward at times, but like we gradually built in confidence. Sure. I mean, but to get early validation like that, I mean, to play a first show and have people come up after and be like, wow, like you guys are really good. Like imagine if they're like, nobody says anything or like somebody comes and tells you like, oh, you should be a mover, like starts really critiquing you. Like, the fact that that didn't happen, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I totally. I think that was like, we didn't expect anything from it. And like the whole way through the gig, I just had the Leo lazy fingers thing, just like <laughs> rushing through my brain. And then so I was like, fuck, fuck you, mother. No, um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, yeah, it was a crazy. We just didn't expect anything, did we guys? It was like, no, I don't know. We just went into it for fun, really. Mm -hmm. totally, Do you remember? Yeah. It feels yeah. like 10 minutes ago that, that feeling stopped you know <laughs> yeah like with that like were you guys working other jobs and just kind of doing this like were you playing like you get the booker right i mean then you're doing like how many shows are a week are you playing like once a week and you can still kind of work like when does it take over where you're like this is like my profession now like i don't we don't we can quit our jobs like do you remember that time i mean it was probably it uh, yeah it probably took a long time but i think everyone's sort of still doing bits and bobs on the side you know i don't oh. think we've necessarily got to a point where we're sort of raking it in yet right know, but really. to where you're uh, not like showing up at a nine to five and uh you know doing that and then just kind of trying to do something on the weekends or after work it feels like maybe maybe the first european tour maybe like uk tours well i don't know yeah, no, the, the UK tours felt like we were still slogging it, you know, because uh, we were just doing them in our, in our tiny cars. Um, and it, they were just so funny. You know, really shit cars driving up and down the country. But, you know, UK is pretty contained and it's quite doable. So it felt, it definitely felt like a bigger thing for me anyway. I don't know about you guys, but as soon as we sort of venture into mainland Europe, it sort of feels like a much bigger thing because the distances are so much bigger and the time away is is, is a lot more. So, yeah, I think that one really felt different. Um, but, yeah, I mean... At this point, like, when, when you did the European tour, how many... Did you have, what, the first couple EPs out or did you have your first record out? Must have been probably just a couple of EPs, maybe. Yeah, I think it was a couple of EPs. I think it was like maybe there were eight songs online or something like that. Like it was not much at all. Mm -hmm. um, but was we it, was it Jamie T was the first? That was the first Jamie, European. Jamie T. Yeah. Yeah, we supported. Do you know Jamie T? We supported him in Europe. Um, the names, I the name sounds familiar. I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you a, a record of his, but he's sort of like a big sort of English guy. Like in the two thousands, he was sort of like. Yeah, he was a big sort of guy that we sort of looked up to a lot and we got quite early, got a support slot with him and played our first show. And like the first show was like in Berlin and like we were just like, this is insane to, you know, a couple of thousand people. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was like we just suddenly got this experience of being in Europe, like we're a group of friends just like playing for someone we grew up listening to, playing like big cities. And it was just insane. It was like the best time of our lives you know those like early shows around europe um and then yeah first headline one was just like unbelievable just it just it was hard to sort of comprehend that people in other countries sort of listen to our music it was strange you know um 
it's it's still kind of crazy really yeah i mean showing up to a town maybe you've never even been to or a country you've never been to and seeing what like a line of people ready to to watch your band like i don't i wouldn't even know how to like digest that experience that's crazy yeah it's just this it, it you constantly have this feeling of like reflecting back to the early days and where you've come from and and we still have that feeling of just like um you know now when when we get you know book a big gig or we sell out a show or anything you always reflect back on the journey of where we've come from and you have this image of that first sort of rehearsal room and these steps that you take along the way and it's something that you sort of try and never take for granted you know that it's been a lot of work that's sort of gone into it and uh and we started at that tiny in that tiny three by three room in camden it's mad that's so yeah but that's amazing and with with those first couple of eps i mean up until the the first record where were you guys recording those songs at were they like a diy situation or were you going into like a proper studio to record yeah, yeah we definitely yeah why wasn't it yeah it was really mm -hmm. diy it was in we had a studio in uh, North London in Tottenham, it was called The Arch, and we shared it with uh, like four or five other bands, like lots of sort of blues bands, and, and we had this little sort of, it was like a little sort of scene really of group of musicians, amazing session players, and, and we shared this big old like warehouse studio with them. It was like super run down and, and so sort of depressing in ways, but was also kind of amazing. It was like our, it was like, like our little base. And we all recorded in this one tiny room with a guy from the studio. And I was like singing through, I didn't have a pop shield. I was singing through like a, a colander, like a kitchen colander and shit like that. It was very DIY, wasn't it? Oh man. Yeah. yeah we, we ended up, we were, we were, we just assumed that that would be it for those songs as in their raw form and we'd go and record them properly. But our manager at the time just loved them so much and he he kind of persuaded us that they there was a vibe to them so they were the the actual ones that ended up being on the eps the original diy recordings which you can kind of tell <laughs> well kind of i say kind of you can definitely tell yeah but okay. uh, you know there's a, there's a vibe to them so yeah I, th I think that's something that we've really well for i've had to really learn is that you know it's okay to present something that's a sort of snapshot of the moment in time because that's just how it was so it's all good uh and yeah it's um yeah definitely i, I yeah, think I there's something cool about like that like the grid of listening to something that was recorded that way you know or like like you said it's a snapshot in time i've spoke with other artists that were like you know you you record a demo or something in in your your bedroom or whatever it was. And then you move on to, okay, I'm going to take this song to the studio. And then they end up using like the, some of the, a lot of the takes that they did in, in their bedroom. Cause it's, it's hard to recreate. You almost have to recreate that emotion again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a big for us. It's a huge part of our process these days that we've learned. That's exactly what we, we found as well. And it's almost like you go a bit full circle, don't you? Like we've, we've done that whole thing of starting off super like raw and basic recording. And then you go to sign with the label and you go through like the expensive production producer process and you work with these sort of expensive people and it's great, you know, but like eventually you sort of get back to this point where you're like, I sort of want to take it back to, you know, re-inject some of that sort of original rawness and, and, and where everything's like not totally perfect. Like there's, real beauty and like imperfections and mm -hmm. and the sort of cragginess of our old recordings and stuff and i think when we get too polished and squeaky clean we all feel a bit like ah fuck this is just not us you know mm -hmm. um we're we, we we yeah those early recordings even though when we listen now you do feel a bit like wow these are so rough like the playing is like kind of mad to us but like there's a charm in that you know yeah, I, I like I said, I think there's something cool about that, and it's cool that even when bands will put out like, oh, this is a, some B side that they recorded in the in the early days, like people will latch on to those and be like, oh, like I love this early whatever Green Day recording from like '91 or whatever it was. Like, I, there's something cool about listening to those old snapshots of bands, especially bands that you really really like, and then going back and hearing where they were when they started. Yeah, I think they're just more real, aren't they? 
Yeah, for sure. What was your first uh, studio, like big studio experience? Probably, was it on that first record? Was that Jeffrey? Well, was, yeah. First yeah. record with Adam. Yeah. yeah. What was it that was, like? I mean, Rupert, I'm sure you had played in studios before, right? As a, as a session musician? Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, yeah, I've definitely done quite a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, the first one, the first, but the first session was the first record, like in a, with a proper studio. It was like, I can't remember, was it four, like a total of four months recording? It was the most intense recording, I think. Wow. We've done to, the, to, to date, you know? And like, um, I remember once, for some reason Matt wasn't around that a certain week and Leo and I and the producer spent because I think we were all quite new to the like the big studio thing and didn't really know how to allocate our time so we spent a week on a guitar tone for one part of one song oh my and then, gosh and we were all just completely insane by it well we were insane before that to even start working like that and then completely lost it by the end of that week we scrapped the guitar tone didn't we? i remember like yeah, he, there were points where he was getting the guitar tone and we were like in the room and we were like this sounds this sounds great this sounds great and then he just kept on turning the things and the going past it and then we were just like oh he's lost it and you know there's no way back to find it again and yeah. we go it's like four in the morning and he was like moving mics around and we were just like oh my god this is like and then everyone got really sick and we had, like had flu and it was, yeah, it was in the it was in the winter, wasn't it? It was yeah, in the winter. Pretty, yeah, I remember just like spending half the time asleep behind the door, like in that corner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, the... we talk about we talk about the big studio experience. Let's just be clear that it wasn't a big studio. It was like it was a, it was, it was a big small. studio in the, in the sense that you know it was it worked. Yeah, it wasn't it was the a, it wasn't the little rehearsal space. Yeah, it wasn't it was really a awesome place, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Abbey Road either. <laughs> <laughs> right. It wasn't sexy in any way, and it, but everything did work. But it was like small still, yeah. and the building has since been knocked down. Occasionally, we go past. And we're like, <laughs> really? And I was with my mum for some reason with, with my mum like going to London once and we drove past it and I was like going to point out the window. I was like a year after we did the album, I was like, oh, this is where we did our album. I just pointed and it was just air. There was The building just wasn't there. The whole thing had been demolished and it was just like this one gap in a row of buildings. I was just like, wow. Good oh, man, that sucks. They heard our record and they were like, yeah, let's knock it down. <laughs> yeah. When you guys are done after four months, and they're like, "Yeah, let's just destroy this place." Leave the evidence. <laughs> uh, with that, um, with the second album that you guys put out, was that any different than than the first, or how did you progress? It was sort of interesting. We did it with two people. Yeah, we did it with a woman called Catherine Marks and a guy called Luke Smith, and Luke Smith's studio wasn't like fully built yet mm -hmm. it was a brand new sort of studio so it was quite sort of a diy experience and we were sort of building it with him at the same time so, oh, wow. so it was a bit sort of weird wasn't it guys yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was um <laughs> matt, matt had to, we thought we thought matt was going to be doing drum takes one morning and came in later that afternoon to find it just been putting up blinds <laughs> I was like, I was like halfway up ladder, dripping with sweat, with this drill, like, because mm. like, like, the I was, we tried to do drum takes, but the sun was so hot coming through the window that, and the air conditioning didn't work, so it was just wasn't possible. So it was kind of, it had to be done anyway, but also, you know, it was we were helping him out. So, so yeah, we, we, we spent a morning putting up lines, which is quite fun. Oh my, I wonder if that was part of his plan. He's like, okay, well, if I get it really hot right here, I can get these guys yeah. to do some manual labor for me. Really cool space. Um, and it was, it was a really cool experience. Like all these experiences, you kind of learn mm -hmm. things about not, not just, not just the physical experience of being there, but like sonically and, the music side of it you kind of learn so much about what, what you kind of like and don't like as a band so it's all good experiences they were all just kind of different i think mm -hmm. the second half of that recording process was definitely a bit different because the studio the studio was very kind of sleek and and plush and, and sexy um, oh so you guys got a little upgrade halfway through the album yeah yeah so we did no, some tracks with, with 
when the soundtrack's another one. Was it like, did you have like, like, how did you decipher where you're going to record the songs or was it just kind of happened that way? Like, okay, we're going to do these here. And then, oh, we've got these more songs. We'll, we'll continue it at this, this new studio. I think the, 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 uh, and I got a and R guy at the label, just, he, he kind of had it in his head that we would, we would, um, just try doing a bunch of songs with one producer and some with the other. I mean, we oh, kind okay. of had an idea of how to split those songs. It wasn't just random. There were certain type of songs that we did with the, with Luke, the first guy, and then certain type of songs we did with Catherine for the second half. So it was, it was kind of planned that way that we'd work with two different producers oh, okay. just to sort of what, what kind of sound we'd get for the different types of songs. Um, but then, yeah, it was mixed by a guy who kind of brought it all together and make it sound, sound like it was all from, from one place. So it all worked mm-hmm. out. Nice. With um, and you got to tour that record, right? From what I read, you, you did pretty extensive touring on that album. Yeah, I think we toured a lot, didn't we? We toured. Yeah, we. No touring. Yeah, that was a big one. But like well, with that, that, I mean, how? We got to the US, didn't we? But then just when we got back, we had the UK tour cancelled, didn't we? Just when <clears> we yeah. Got back to the US. yeah. So you were able. That was my next question. Was if you were caught up in the in COVID, or were you stuck somewhere on a tour? But you guys got had gotten back, and you're waiting. What on the next one, and it got sh- and the world shut down. Yeah. I think yeah, we, we got did. two weeks before everything shut down, right? So yeah, we got, we got quite lucky. We made it back from a huge tour in the states, mm-hmm. and then in the gap between starting the the UK tour, everything went crazy. <laughs> it was oh, cancelled, and yeah. that was the last. That was the last touring we did. The the US tour was the last touring we did yeah yeah and you got shows coming up though and these will be your first what ones back mm. pretty much yeah the first well, well we did three festivals at the back end of last year okay and then these but then we've got in uh, a couple of weeks we're doing uk um and a big show in london and then uh america in american canada in april middle of april for a month right. yeah huge like, shows in america i mean i was just looking at yeah. the Cause I'm from, like I said, San Diego, but I, I did radio for a long time in San Francisco and you're playing the Fillmore, which is a huge, beautiful venue and yeah, we'll yeah. turn in LA. I mean, these are, are these going to be some of your bigger shows? Yeah. I mean, over there for sure. Um, yeah. Did you know what it's just growing? It seems to be growing so fast over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, like we just seem to sell a lot of tickets there, which is just completely crazy. And uh, yeah, and so that it feels like a big step up on on this tour and like the venues. Yeah, like we've been Googling images of like the venues and they just look so amazing. And like, oh man, they look like sort of old theaters. And Oh, yeah. yeah the, it's crazy. The Fillmore is one of the coolest venues. Uh, you haven't played there yet? No. Or this would be your no. first time? Yeah, I know no. what they do, which is really rad. And um, they'll make a poster for your show. I don't know if you heard of what the filmer does. So they'll make a, they make an individual, they make a poster for every show that comes through there. And they like, it's just specific to that show. Wow. And they only make so many copies of it. So like a buddy of mine's band got to play there. And like, so he, he gave me one of the posters, but it's re- like, cause there's only so many, there's only a handful and they have an artist that does them all. So you guys will get, you know, your poster of your show. Sick. that's specific to that one one night there so kind of like remember oh, and i think they hang them all in the venue at somewhere cool oh, so, that's amazing cool. yeah so that's something to look forward to when you get to san francisco at least yeah <laughs> san francisco is awesome we had a good time there last time it was amazing yeah yeah skags was venue wasn't it but i can't remember what it's called but oh amazing it closed yeah. down didn't it yeah it did yeah I'm trying to think. I don't know. I haven't been. I lived there like in 2012. I can't think of what it would be. I don't. I'm like too hip to it. But I know that the film is sick. Um. So you put out you you put out EP what someday somewhere in 2020. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Was that recorded over the pandemic and? Pretty much. Yeah, that was some. A couple of them maybe were old tracks like that we had sort of in the locker and then. Um, I'll, a song called I'll Be Fine. We literally recorded it sort of like uh, separately. Like we just passed this, passed the recording down the line and everyone added their bits and um, with whatever equipment they had in, in lockdown. And, and weirdly, it just like came out really nicely, that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Was that, Matt, I mean, obviously, that's what a, what a way to have to kind of adapt to everything. I mean, 
your yeah. whole industry as far as like being around people, you know, live shows, like everything just comes to a, a crashing hold. And then you kind of have to adapt. Was that, I mean, obviously that was scary, but like, how did, how long into it were you like, we should probably just start writing songs and, and figuring out something which ended up becoming that EP? I think like literally like the first day of that happening. Oh, wow. Straight in, like straight in and just writing every day and just, um, uh, just going, yeah, just really like going for it. And it was just the perfect conditions, you know, to, uh, to get some good writing done without, you know, not having distractions of everyday life and just suddenly like, okay, well, what else can we do, but do this really. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the songs like, came very quickly from that experience and it was a case of just passing it to each other and and uh and you know none of it was sort of in the early in those lockdowns obviously we couldn't sort of jam through the songs it was all just um passing it along passing it down the line and and most of the early sort of demos for the album came out of that sort of experience um and then it for cleared the, up for the, the new summer. record coming out yeah said? for the new out oh, yeah wow. from up. Um, and then we, when things opened up, we went in the studio and sort of jammed them and, and recorded them really properly as sort of demos. And I think we had like 23 songs maybe for the new album that were, that were, came out of the lockdowns basically. Um, wow. Yeah. And how many of those made the record? All of them? 12, is it guys? Uh, 13 counting another, another one yeah. recorded. Got 13. But but those were all from those. They all started out in those original sessions that you guys were kind of sending down to each other. Pretty pretty much, yeah. The majority, I think. Um, well, a good chunk at least, yeah. So what was it like going from you know passing them all down, and then you now it's like okay, we can kind of get into a studio together, like jamming on some of the songs for the first time. Was it were you, were you guys fumbling through them at all, or like I mean, you hadn't played them together as a band, right? It's like okay, here's. Leo's take and then I'm going to pass it down to Matt and, and Rupert and so forth. And like, now you've kind of created this demo of a song and now you've got to go to a studio and kind of put it together. Was that how, what was that experience like? It was, it was cool because um, it was a really exciting time because we had just moved from our studios. So our old studio that Leo had talked about earlier, we, we left there and we moved into our own rehearsal space. Um, just down the road um, and for the first time we've, we've got our own little box <laughs> where we can leave our stuff set up ready to go mm -hmm. mics all, all set up um, so it, it kind of it was really exciting because we, we it was it was literally the first time we'd we'd been able to just have total freedom to be there all day all night and just kind of experiment with stuff without needing to make way for another band who had booked a room or something like the setup we had at the other place. So it was a really kind of free time. It was really hot that summer. And yeah, um, and the world was super quiet and, and everyone was kind of like at home reflecting and, and there was no cars on the street and you could hear the birds singing. And it was just, London was a crazy place to be. And, uh, and so, yeah, we were, it was, it was, I think we were really, really proactive. As soon as we got into the new studio, the songs just started taking shape pretty quickly, I think. Um, it was a cool time. Was it, um, when, when you have that much time on your hands, like for this new record, did that, uh, do you feel like that affected the album at all? Or like, were you, do you feel like you, were there, was there any point where you're like, okay, you're like over listening or like overthinking because now you have like, you know, kind of un, unlimited time, so to speak when it comes to putting the record together? Um, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. I, no, think, really. I think the opposite. Oh, I think really? The opposite. I remember saying, we were all saying to each other, God, it's so amazing to actually have some time on this record. I think um, it allowed us to be much more free with our experimentation of, of sounds and production, production approaches that we knew we wanted to try and achieve, that we would get our kind of rough demo version done um, that that was that we then take to a producer to sort of do it properly, but that's how we kind of thought it would be. But um, yeah, we we had the time was really good because we had we did lots of experimenting, and um, I think it it helped us um, develop our sound and be more brave and experimental. Um, and 
yeah so so yeah I, I think the time is a really good thing actually some people really thrive under the pressure of having to like work under a yeah deliver but and and you know sometimes that that is actually really good for us in other aspects of our our kind of musical careers but for this one it was time was really good that's awesome to hear because like like you just said i've heard the other side of the coin where it's like yeah, now that I have all this time, like all I do is listen to the song a million times and then I find these little things that I want to go back and tweak just like a, I don't like how I pronounce this word or that, you know, you can almost like get to the point of overthinking every element of it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What do you, what, like with this record, what do you, I mean, people are receiving the album obviously well. The singles that you have put in out are doing amazing. I'm just looking at Spotify numbers alone and the tour selling out already multiple shows and multiple dates what are you most excited about like the record coming out on friday i think just like being able to be just simply just like people the idea of like people being able to hear it is so exciting because i think we feel i mean everyone says this when they release an album it feels so cliche uh, as a thing to say but like we genuinely feel like this is the best thing we've ever done and mm -hmm that the songs are the strongest sort of collection of songs we've ever done. And, and I think we feel very proud of it as a sort of body of work um, and feel like it's a step up from anything we've done. So I think just getting people to hear it and hopefully people enjoying it is just like, the big, it's a big thrill. It's also like slightly nerve wracking, but like it feels just exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet there's gotta be a lot of jitters before you put a record out. like a lot of thoughts and emotions and then when it's out is it just like okay like ah oh, okay we can kind of breathe now yeah definitely and i i think for us it's again i know it sounds a bit cheesy maybe but for us a, lo a lot of the, the songs are quite kind of you know they are quite sort of personal and they're, they're about kind of real things and, and that not just obviously lyrically mainly but you know a lot of that goes into the music as well and I think because of that, it's, it does feel like a, a sort of part of your 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 character, your soul even is, is being put out there. And a lot of the songs are, like I said, just about kind of really real, real things, real kind of human things. So, um, yeah, I think there is a definitely a bit of nervousness because you hope that they'll land with people. You hope they'll connect with people um, because it is sort of an extension of yourself. So, um yeah, it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking, but exciting at the same time. Yeah, because you're being completely vulnerable. I mean, you're putting out songs that are true to you and, and lyrics and everything that's true to you. And if, I I mean, you could read a million comments that are all, like how great it is. And then I'm sure the one is always just like, like such a dagger, especially since it's like you're, you know, being, like I said, just so open with your your emotions and, and putting onto a recording. Yeah, I think with anything you sort of, create in any way and you know anything we you, you do it's it's personal you know and for us i think i mean i feel like we probably got fairly sort of thick skin but like you know i tend not to like read too many right comments. read too far into I it i think we've generally been quite lucky you know like i don't think we've been trolled that many times by any sort of nutters you know like yeah, I, I, I was yeah i was just like read i mean you guys get so much positive reinforcement all the time but i mean when it comes to a new project you're like is somebody that's a fan of mine gonna be like oh they you know change their sound or what you yeah. know what i mean like is that that's, a, that's that can be a hard one with people like you know if anyone ever not that it's really happened but if uh -huh. the idea of people saying you've sold out i always like i'm terrified of people thinking that you know but like at the same time i think the key thing is like we write music for ourselves we write mm -hmm we write music that we want to hear. We write like write the music that if we could find a band to play a certain type of music, it'd be what we're putting out. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the music that feels right for us. And actually at the end of the day, sort of don't really care too much because it's, it's if we're happy with it, that's all that matters. You know, if it so sort of satisfies us, like with what we've made, then that's all that matters really. And if people aren't sort of too into it or whatever, you know, that's also okay, you know. Right. I love that. Please um, everybody. But please <laughs> right. like it. Yeah. <laughs> or we will all yeah, do something terrible. Yeah. Uh, I well a real quick comment on the selling out thing. I I think it's interesting because 
I don't know how old you guys are, but when I was growing up, it was like the big thing was like, oh, you you know, they sold out. Like, I can't believe they changed their sound. And you could only like, if you like punk rock, then that's all you were really allowed to like right around your, your core group of friends. But with, with music so accessible nowadays with like apps like TikTok and stuff, I think people are more like striving for that. Like young, the younger generation is striving for the sellout. Like I want to have the viral song. Whereas before you didn't, it was uncool to be the, the, you know, the center of attention in the, in the big band, you, you latch on to the bands that nobody knew of yet. And then it was like, Oh, now green day's putting a record out on a major label. Like they sold out. Like, it's funny how the mindset has almost kind of changed in that sense. Yeah, no, it's true. I think the, the commercial is sort of celebrated in a weird way. So mm-hmm. maybe we need to like, I don't know, what's the most sellout thing we could do? Like, <laughs> That's the thing. If, you, if you're striving for the sellout, then it's already contrived before you've even started. Like it's not, it, it's by definition, it's not real, you know? Right. So right. It's, it's, it's uh, I don't know. Or do you get this know. kid that I guess, I guess that's the trick. The trick is making something contrived land with people and make it seem you know, make it connect to people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's what you guys have done since day one. Right. I mean, there's the kid that wrote the TikTok song that gets really big and then it's all they're trying to do is strive to write the next song that sounds exactly like the one that went viral for them or whatever it is. I mean, there's something about yeah, it. Sounds a, it sounds a bit like us, except we could do with a bit more of the viral thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except we for need- like you have longevity which people yeah. that put out the one hit aren't going to have. I mean, the fact yeah. that you've got three P's and then this is going to be your third record. People are still showing up and the shows are getting bigger. Obviously you're not doing the, I'm going to shoot to try to follow what that first yeah. hit was or whatever. I think as soon as you start to do that, like, you're in big trouble, you know? And I think there'd be moments where we've just in our heads in the past, we've been like, we've been told by people as well. Like we have a song called bitter and people have said, said to us like write another bitter and things like that. And you're just like, what does that even mean? And, and sometimes it it used to get in our heads a bit and we'd be like, okay, we need to use that as a sort of benchmark. But then you quickly realize it's just like, that's just bullshit. That's just another one of our songs. And actually the whole point is we need to just like follow our trail and, and not sort of look backwards and at our own songs to sort of direct the future, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, if you start doing that, then you're sort of on your way to failure, I think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I appreciate you guys doing this. This has been so much fun. Uh, and I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Like I said, the, the songs that you have out now are, are great, obviously in the old back catalog that you guys don't. Um, Thanks, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and I'm excited for the, you know your tour. You're not coming to Nashville, but it's cool. <laughs> you know what? I think we are in the next one though. The one after, I'm pretty sure we're, oh. we're, we're in Nashville. So yeah, so send us a message or something, and we'll we, when we do, and we'll get you on the list and come down. I'd love that. That'd be such a such a great time. So yeah, I'm excited. So um, well, I have one more quick question for you all. I wanted to see if I can get an answer from each of you. If you have any advice for aspiring artists, good question. I think maybe just like, I mean, I think just like trust your gut, I'd say in terms of like songwriting and like, um, you're, you're, I feel like just trust your gut, try not too hard to be like someone else and to emulate other people, just like see where it's your gut sort of takes you and your heart takes you and, and write about things that are real to you. You know, I think in terms of writing, I'd say that um yeah you guys just just, um i say just enjoy it like it's just the greatest fun you can have whether it's just like playing in some like a small cafe just you or like hanging out with your mates in a rehearsal room or just doing what it's just enjoy it it's just it just it's such a fun way just make sure yeah just enjoy it That's yeah. much better than my one. I take my one back, and actually, I just I'm, I'm going to copy you through. second, second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mad? I'm going to back up what we said. It's that's bang on. It should be all about doing it for fun. If anything happens, then it's 